0: Today on the show, we're ensuring the survival of all humankind. Nothing more, nothing less.
1: Welcome to Gamjabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune, We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name is Leo. And my name's Abu. And today on the show, we are talking, finally, about the golden path.
0: Yes.
1: Oh my God. What are those words some of our <laughs> listeners said to themselves?
0: <laughs> Such a heavy topic yes and one of if not the most important concept in the entire dune saga
1: indeed yeah and it's fitting that this very important topic is a listener suggestion yes so right off the top thank you so much william de yes for writing in an excellent suggestion something we had to inevitably talk about but all the happier to shout you out for the great idea and for writing in again we love to hear from y'all
0: yeah such a great episode idea one we've had on our list for quite a while and william was so enthusiastic in his email about this idea that we just had to do it so thank you again for writing will yeah now a fair warning before we get into today's episode a bit of housekeeping here yes today's episode is going to be heavy (laughs) yeah on the spoilers it is going to be a spoiler filled episode right and we want (laughs) to warn you right up top that we will be talking about all six of frank herbert's dune novels from dune all the way through chapter house so if you haven't read all of those cover to cover you gotta stop right
1: now, seriously (laughs) and go read them right away seriously first of all great books all of them (laughs) great books highly recommend they're wonderful (laughs) can you tell we like them can you tell but yes we are talking about a central idea that is introduced very early on. I mean, it's amazing going back and reading Dune mm-hmm. <laughs> and seeing hints of this concept, but really, the idea is fully explored in books five and six, so yeah, I wouldn't say that knowing about this would ruin the experience of reading, you know, Heretics of Dune and, and, and Dune Chapter House, but man... I just think it's better to have that experience. So, again, this is a heavy spoiler warning mm-hmm. for a heavy spoiler episode. Absolutely, <laughs> We're lingering on purpose. <laughs> think about it.
0: Now's your chance. Get out.
1: <laughs> we'll be here. We don't take episode down.
0: <laughs> now, speaking of rereading Dune, actually. Oh, yeah. True. That's exactly <laughs> what we're doing here on the podcast. What? We recently released our Dune Book Club episodes, and you and I, over the course of about a 10-part series, will be reading the first Dune novel cover to cover and diving deep into the lore, sharing our insights and celebrating the story, as well as preparing for the upcoming film. And our goal is to finish our Dune Book Club reread before the Dennyville new film comes out
1: later this year. And all without spoiling a thing. Yes. As fun as it would be to talk about some late book stuff in the early books, and we'll have to do that at some point, Abu. For sure. <laughs> I've been thinking about that. Some very like straight-through, super-heavy, no-holds-bar conversations about... Anyway, our book club is only talking about what has been on the page so far in the assigned reading, so it's a lot of fun personally as someone who knows a lot about dune i am still finding new fascinating little details to enthuse about and get excited about and also we are hearing now from people who are part of our book club at podcast at com. email us yes we're here we love to hear yes, from you reach out <laughs> even if you just want to say hi it's sweet it's nice nice to hear from you
0: yeah All right, Leo, that's the last bit of housekeeping. Cool. We can't delay this any longer. Anyone who hasn't read the six books yet, who is still listening, this is on you. (laughs) It's not on us anymore.
1: This is on you. (laughs) Our hands are clean. (laughs) So why this episode? Besides the fact that, you know, William, sweet William, has requested it, why talk about the golden path?
0: Well, the obvious answer to that is that the golden path is central to every single dune novel it is the through line that carries from the very first book all the way through the sixth book and even into some of brian's books later on yeah and the better we can understand this concept this idea of the golden path what it is why it's necessary what it will require to follow this path all of these things are sprinkled throughout the novels it's not like frank wrote a chapter here are the directions to the golden path go <laughs> right, follow right. them right yeah. the hints of what it is and what it means and w- why humanity needs to follow it and all of those things are sprinkled throughout the novels as our main characters primarily Paul and Leto too uncover them through prescience we the reader also uncover them yeah so the better we can understand what the golden path is the better we understand Paul as a character. The better we understand Leto II as a god emperor yeah. and their motivations and the choices that they make or don't make throughout their lives.
1: Oh my God. Great point. Yeah.
0: So this being such a central concept, we wanted to dedicate an episode to trying to understand
1: what it is. There's a lot to those characters, Leto II and Paul, that are totally inaccessible if you don't understand the complex emotions necessary to make a choice or not make a choice for humanity's sake. But also, when we started talking about doing this episode, Abu, I had a moment of like, oh, I can describe what the golden path is. And then I went to start trying to explain it and utterly failed. Nailing it down is really quite tricky. And you're right. Frank Herbert made a very clear decision not to lay it out clearly. Like there are many things he just explains. This is not one of them. So let's talk about it.
0: Yeah. And that's why we're here sitting in front of an eight page script about to try and explain (laughs) it. It was longer
1: and is shorter. It was longer. We, yeah, it was longer.
0: (laughs) All right. So let's boil down the golden path and in brief, try to explain what it is and why humanity needs it. Right. Just to reiterate today, we're going to be focusing on the idea of the golden path and in a future episode at some point, we hope to cover the actual events of the Golden Path as they unfolded under the careful watch of Leto II as god-emperor over those 3,500 years that he ruled, Right. and primarily the things that we learned in God Emperor of Dune. That's a whole separate conversation about how the path actually unfolded that we'll have in a future episode. But today, we want to talk about what the Golden Path is as an idea and what it represents
1: absolutely yeah
0: so as you stated earlier leo we first get hints of this great threat to humanity in the very first book yeah as paul's prescient powers are awakening he recognizes some sort of threat that is coming inevitably for humanity no one says the word golden path at this point and in fact that term isn't used out loud by a character until Children of Dune, until the third book. Yeah. But the idea of this threat of prescience showing that humanity is headed towards a doomsday event, that seed was planted as early as the first book, as early as in the mind of Paul when his powers are awakening.
1: It's so interesting to see how, even for Paul and Leto too, this idea of the golden path is sort of amorphous. Yeah right there isn't a clear as they are discovering it you know paul the way i kind of felt paul's understanding of it very early on is this shadow cast on the future of humanity this kind of looming ominous danger without really even being able to understand or comprehend what it is yeah and it's only when leto too in children of dune comes out of the gates swinging going golden path this golden path that (laughs) that, that you get a sense that there was this decision that paul was wrestling with in messiah yes to a degree and we'll talk about that in a second but we do get that sense with leto too that there is a clear thing and really what it boils down to is there are many many futures these prescient lads are looking forward a little bit and going oh wow uh hmm no humans huh oh shit not (laughs) not a single one they're all gone right all of them right wow that's that's, um Hmm. big yikes i don't know if i like that exactly (laughs) that's a lot of the futures (laughs) (laughs) right
0: paul and leto two through their prescient abilities which again is unprecedented they are the first humans in human history to have this ability to glimpse these futures, suddenly see many, many futures in which humanity is extinct and wiped out by any number of threats. And in these dark futures, what Paul and Leto come to recognize is that humanity will be unable to overcome many of these threats because of a continued stagnation on the part of humanity.
1: Right, right. I also like that it could be any number of things. And we'll talk about some of what these threats might be in a bit. Right. But kinda no matter what the threat is, what will cripple humanity in the face of it is stagnation, is infighting, is a lack of progress. Yeah. So it's not just seeing all these futures, it's Leto two and Paul going, Okay, I see that there are no humans in this one particular path. What caused that? Right. Oh, it was that they stopped expanding and stopped discussing certain accepted ideas or, or whatever, right? Right. And it's so interesting that that analysis is also a key part of laying the foundation of the golden path. And without that analysis, you might just like curl up in a ball and cry. <laughs> and so like, oh, Wow, there's no hope. Oh my <laughs> there's God. There's just the one. It's just the role of a billion-sided die. No, no, no we can analyze we can find a way you know
0: right and they do find a way What's it called and that way is the golden path oh. as leto two comes to call it right right i mean like a, a great branding move on his part right like i totally want to be on a golden path right yeah
1: he's a great branding guy
0: <laughs> i'm glad he didn't call it like the rocky road or something like, i'd be like right
1: the fuck <laughs> thank god i mean it's only him at the whiteboard coming up with this stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Really glad he struck gold <laughs> with this uh branding. 100%, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so th- the golden path in essence is the one singular series of events that humanity has to follow to survive these future extinction events or to overcome these future threats to their very survival. Right. And the the sort of instant analogy that came to my mind was Doctor Strange in
1: Avengers. Oh yeah, yeah. Infinity yeah,
0: yeah. War and Endgame, where he looks through 14 million futures and finds the one future in, in which they can overcome Thanos. That's the vibe I'm getting
1: here. So what you're saying is Doctor Strange is a Cuisat's Haderach? Oh shit! I think. I mean, I buy it. He's got the prescience. Or or
0: Paul and Leto are sorcerer supremes.
1: <laughs> is Dune part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God.
0: Tune in for our 12-part
1: deep dive yeah. into <laughs> Right. Anyway, so here's the challenge, right? Right. Humanity needs to survive. That's the goal. We want that. That's good. How to break out of a rigid system and, and kind of shock people, just all of them, into not settling for stagnation and pushing themselves and challenging themselves and being challenged and opting into being challenged. Right. Well, Leto figures it out pretty quick. He's like, yeah, it's easy. Uh Uh-huh. One step. Easy. Okay? I'm going to give you the instruction. You can do it yourselves. Try this at home. 3,500 years. Easy. (laughs) Become a worm. (laughs) And that's all it takes. That's all it takes. The immortality, like the near omniscient omnipotence. And the immortality is just a side note to the goal, which is I need to steer this ship for 3,500 years. Right. How do I do that? Become a worm. Yeah. And that's that's it. Easy peasy. It's one step. Yeah. Done. Yeah.
0: I, I don't know about you, Leo, but I, for one.
1: Sure. Am
0: ready to submit to our worm rulers.
1: I. I want to see how they wiggle first. If they wiggle <laughs> in a delightful way, I'm down. If they wiggle in like a ugh, way, mm, mm. probably still down, but I'm not going to like attend coronations, you know?
0: Right, right. Th- that's smart. That's smart on <laughs> your part. I'll Al- Always double check the wiggle.
1: I'm passive aggressive. It's my point.
0: <laughs> so that is an aggressively simplified overview of the golden path. Yeah. Basically, Humanity is headed towards some sort of extinction event because of their own stagnation and love of the status quo. Yeah. And Paul and Leto recognize it and see only one path, aptly named the golden path to (laughs) humanity's survival. They only see one way to accomplish that. And that is the core of this idea through all of the books. Paul and Leto struggling with this idea of how to make this golden path happen. Right. Now, of course, we've already sort of touched on it, but there are two key parts of the golden path that we want to break down one by one. The first part is the idea of prescience and the role that Paul and Leto's prescient abilities play into this. Their abilities as Kwisatz Haderachs that play into this. No one else in humanity's tens of thousands of years of history in Dune has recognized this threat because they haven't had these powers. So the golden path Is simply not possible without someone having prescient abilities on the level that Paul and Leto do. Yeah, And then part two of The Golden Path is obviously this threat that we have talked about, that we've hinted about. There are sprinkles of juicy tidbits and hints at what this Golden Path might be throughout all of the novels. And there are some pretty solid theories about what this threat will be and how humanity's extinction will come about. But we don't know for certain. So part two is the threat, quote unquote, and we'll deep dive into that later in the episode. But first, let's start with prescience.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we went deep on (laughs) prescience. We talked about it. We did. Yeah. In a previous episode. So if you want to kind of dive back into that and you just haven't heard that episode yet, check it out. Yeah. But in brief, kind of briefly going over it, to be clear, Paul is the first of his kind in prescience. Not only in his accessing of the other memories of both male and female genetic lines, but also in his prescience, his ability to look forward and see the future. Right. But he makes a mistake. And this is a mistake that is really tragic. It's really, really sad. And yeah, in our episode about prescience, we talk about how much sympathy we have for Paul because he didn't fucking know. <laughs> he didn't know that. There's no manual. There's no manual. He's given it and he goes well i guess i'll figure oh no i locked the future <laughs> like, <laughs> oh shit, shit. <laughs> i guessed the password too many times now the future's disabled damn it right it's it's crazy he locks himself and humanity into the events of messiah you know we literally see him step by step walk into that house where he knows he's going to lose his eyes right and goes man this is going to suck <laughs> Like, this is thought I could avoid this, definitely could not. And to be so powerful, to be this legendary, the chosen one, we always joke in the book club about him being Neo from the Matrix. Yeah. But to have locked himself in step into this future, it's tragic. And really, although throughout Messiah, because of like the tarot cards and because of the guild navigators and some of the other prescient things going on in the universe, he is having kind of some faltering visions you know tiny little things yeah but as a reminder he fucking flies an ornithopter blind right so his, his prescient vision is pretty solid
0: yeah we're still talking like anakin skywalker levels of <laughs> chlorian counts oh yeah it's off the charts baby
1: off the charts but no problem with sand so you know cool he's, he's even better he's totally okay with sand totally okay with it it gets, gets everywhere. everywhere love it it's rough of <laughs> course it's the whole it's my whole planet imperial capital sand planet it's great so <laughs> but it really is this moment where leto 2 and kanima are born where he goes oh shit i didn't see that at all yeah that is twice the children i was expecting from shani and At that moment, I remember having this impression of at this point, Paul is blind, like his prescience has diverged fully from reality.
0: Yeah. And we see his transformation into the preacher. Oh, my God. Once we get past Dune Messiah and into Children of Dune, this character, the quote unquote preacher, who we learn later is actually (gasps) Paul, who survived his trek into the desert as a blind man, so good, (laughs) is out here preaching against the empire he himself built. Yeah. Preaching against the future that he himself had a hand in locking all of us into.
1: Yeah. A tragic hypocrisy.
0: And you can you can just taste that bitterness yeah. and that and that tragedy that, you know, I'm sure so much of his bitterness and so much of why he's doing this is rooted in guilt.
1: Oh, totally.
0: And the fact that he had these unwieldy powers that he did not know how to control. And as a result, humanity will face the consequences and his children will face the consequences as they do. I mean, his son becomes a worm (laughs) as we've established.
1: You know, Paul makes this decision to kind of live as much of his life as he can with Chani. Right. It's entirely possible that his visions of his, first his child, but then after he becomes the preacher, Mm -hmm. it's entirely possible that he kind of set up Leto to to very specifically be able to fulfill the golden path, kind of kicking himself out of the driver's seat yeah, and subjecting himself to death at the hands of Alia's crazed priests, right? The priests that killed him.
0: Right. I mean, he, he sort of abdicates his responsibility as the Messiah leader, like you said, person in the driver's seat right. for the future of humanity. Because, I mean, you have to recognize that in Dune Messiah, he's, tangling with prescient abilities that he doesn't understand no one else understands no manual and he's sort of rifling through all of these futures and in so many of them he just sees horrible things yeah he sees his wife die he sees he sees his empire fall apart he sees his empire explode across the galaxy and wipe out billions of lives. like all of these things <laughs> he's just seeing right and i almost imagine him like a I don't know, like a magic cart floundering in a lake, like he's just <laughs> desperately trying to swim to shore yeah. through this like giant lake of prescient futures. And it, it's got to be overwhelming. And so much of Messiah is him being just beaten down by his powers, beaten down by his visions. And ultimately, he tries to weave a thread through them in which he gets to live out as much time as he can with his beloved Johnny, right. and then in which his children have some sort of future. But At the same time, he does, like you said, make a selfish choice of also sort of abdicating his role in humanity's future and just kind of being like, I'm retiring as the OG (laughs) Kwisatz Haderach, like someone else take over. Yeah. And the person that takes over is his son, Leto too. Yeah,
1: which, you know, we don't really hear about Paul planning for his children to have other memory. But thank goodness, because genuinely. Yeah. You know, we keep joking about Paul not having a a user manual for prescience. Yeah, Leto too has Paul. Yes, <laughs> he's got the user manual, and that user manual is the guy who fucked up before him. Right, and and such. Into Children of Dune, he and Ganema have like never had spice trances. Like they've never gone into spice trances, and they avoid prescience like the plague. They're like, no. Yeah, <laughs> we both know. The genuine threat of looking too far.
0: And they they recognize the risk of abomination, which is something that Alia succumbs to.
1: That too. Yeah.
0: They've learned all these lessons from the mistakes of their predecessors.
1: Yeah. Or their predecessor single, (laughs) the one, the guy.
0: They got (laughs) now ultimately Leto 2 does sort of get thrust into the role of the driver's seat, the man in charge of humanity's future, because Jessica and Gurney force him. To consume a massive amount of spice and fall into a spice trance somewhat against his will. And he has these visions of the golden path. This is where in Children of Dune, we sort of start to recognize, oh, there is a path. It is full of sacrifices on the part of Leto. It is full of tough choices, but it is the only way to save humanity. And it's going to demand everything of Leto too to make it happen. And it's in this moment that Leto too is also tempted by the very things that Paul was tempted by a normal life with a woman that he loves and spiced coffee and sex, you know, like all the things that he gives up when he's a worm.
1: (laughs) Yo, who can blame him? Sounds great. Yeah. What is it? Sabiha? Sabiha, the the Fremen girl? Yeah, exactly. Seems great. So nice. Right. So sweet.
0: And I mean, think of it this way. Like, if someone came to you, Leo, if I came to you, Leo, and I was like, hey, yo, sure. future of humanity is kind of on your shoulders, my guy. Uh-huh. I'm going to need you yeah. to give up sour gummy worms for the rest of your life. Oh, you're going to think twice about that. Uh,
1: oh, um, OK. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I am going to have kids Uh-huh. and my son can maybe give up sour... gum? Yeah, okay, that, that sounds great. Uh, okay, now I'm going to go for a walkabout in the desert. <laughs>
0: right. And of course, like Leto, we joke, but Leto 2 here is being asked to give up so much more. So much. Than just sour gummy worms.
1: And immediately, mm-hmm. it's easy to think about the golden path as this far-off thing, but for Leto 2, as we learn at the end of Children of Dune and into God Emperor of Dune and some of his reflections, these are constant choices and moments of of very important balance that he is constantly threading for thousands of years. Yeah, And it's right at the beginning of his Spice Trances that he sees this whole life with Sabiha. And he has to give that up immediately. And then he has to give up another thing immediately. Mm-hmm. He has to give up so much constantly. But the reward, the exchange is... All of humanity forever.
0: Right. And this is also the sort of contract that he makes with the other memories in his mind so that he doesn't fall to abomination like his aunt Alia. Right. He makes a deal with them, basically. He's like, yo, I'm going to save all of humanity. How about you guys (laughs) don't take me over? Shut the fuck up, guys. (laughs) Right. Like, everyone shut the fuck up. I'm trying to focus on keeping everyone on the golden path. And let's work together to make this happen. And, you know, his other memories agree to that contract. Like they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we want to it's in the best interest of all of us to keep humanity alive. Right. And th- we recognize the sacrifice that Leto Two is making here. So that that's another way of him sort of overcoming this risk of abomination as well is that he he strikes this deal with them that he is willing to make this sacrifice for the next thirty five hundred years. right? And he does. Like you said, the golden path isn't, for example, an arrow that has to be pointed and just released, right?
1: Oh, so well said.
0: It is a path that has to be nurtured and nudged for those next 3,500 and probably more years to ensure that humanity continues on this path. And I'm sure there's bumps along the road, and maybe Rocky Road would have been a more <laughs> apt description yeah. for what it ultimately ends up being. It is, he is the steward of humanity's future and he has to watch over it constantly. And that's basically what he ends up as we get into God Emperor of Dune. We learn that Leto II rarely, if ever, taps into his prescient abilities. Right. Because, of course, from his father and the history with prescients, as he's learned, it's too risky to tap too strongly into prescience. He only basically uses it to check in on the Golden Path. You know, he, he calls the 1-800-GOLDEN-PATH hotline number <laughs> to make sure we're still Gucci. And then shuts up, shuts the phone off again.
1: I like to imagine it's like the website where you he goes to www am i on the and it's just yes or no. <laughs> it's <laughs> yes like, or no, right? No, and he's like, "Fuck! I uh, better kill a Duncan." Yeah, <laughs> he exactly. Kills Duncan changes to yes,
0: <sighs> and then he and then he has to course correct.
1: Right? Thank God, uh, Moneo, <laughs> come clean up this Duncan. <laughs> Jesus. It's also to your point; he has to nurture it. For 3,500 years and, key point, can't look too closely. Yeah. <laughs> you can't look at it. You have to guide the arrow one inch at a time through the air without ever looking at the target. Because, damn it, if you look at the target, that's it. That's the future. Right. Sorry, kid. <laughs> you looked.
0: Right. You you give up your own flexibility yeah. by looking too strongly at just one path or the one end game. And Leto recognizes he needs that flexibility to nudge things left, right, up, down. And uh, if you look too closely at the problem, you're locked in, baby. (laughs) That's it. And so he he doesn't fully just fast forward and figure out what this threat is and then figure out some formula to overcome it. Because then humanity is locked in and he's totally out of choices. He's taken away all free will at that point. Right. Which, you know, sort of stepping outside of the lore... Shouts to Frank for making that a plot device. I see what you did there, my guy. Yeah. Frank was like, I'm going to procrastinate on figuring out what the end game here is. Uh, So I'm just going to write that into it. You know, I'll figure out what happens in book seven, like 10 years later.
1: (laughs) And he couldn't say what he saw in book six because, uh, Uh, oh, because he can't view the future or else it dooms humanity. Good. (laughs) Done. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break here, but stick around. My pressure abilities are telling me we'll be right back. All right, Leo. Yeah. That was part one about prescience and how it plays a major role in the golden path. Yeah. Now let's talk about part two, this looming threat to humanity. Right. Now, Leto maybe can't look too closely into the future, but you can bet your ass you and I are about to. (laughs) Yeah. We want to know what this threat is.
1: Yeah. We aren't bound by the responsibilities of omniscience. We got... Free reign to speculate wildly. Hell yeah. And also do way too much research into an episode that started (laughs) off as like 14 pages. (laughs) Gummy worms all day, baby. (laughs) Sour gummy worms until the day I die. (laughs) (laughs) So what is this threat that Paul first glimpses and Leto 2 then dodges? Well, uh, we kind of said it earlier, but let's talk about it. Stagnation, right? Mm -hmm. Other threats, whatever they are. To humanity are out there in the depths of space or in the hearts of man, evolving, changing, growing, becoming more insidious, more conniving, more, you know, vile, whatever you want to say. More threatening. More threatening. The threat <laughs> is real. Okay. Can you tell? So as soon as humanity kind of, yeah, just gets too comfortable it risks kind of falling behind that inevitable race and that race that we are racing, whether or not we know it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And think about it. This idea of comfort equaling weakness and this idea that adversity is what creates strength is a core, core theme in Dune. Oh, yeah. Look at the Sardaukar on Seleucus Secundus. We dedicated an entire episode to this very idea that the Sardaukar are such a powerful fighting force because of the brutal conditions under which they are bred and trained. Yeah, We also dedicated a two-part episode to the rise and fall of the Fremen. Right. Same idea. The Fremen have to survive in the brutal, harsh conditions of Arrakis and thus become one of the most resilient and powerful people in the entire galaxy. They rise to glory under Paul Atreides and his new empire. And then God Emperor Leto II nearly eradicates them and softens them to the point where they are just mere shadows of their former fremen selves.
1: Yeah. We also, kind of in a meta sense, we had Elaine from Nerd Cookies on to talk about Amtal, right? Right. This idea of pushing something past its limits to discover its true form and how that is such a central theme to Dune. And throughout the Dune series, we get these tiny examples. I mean, I think about... Dr. Kynes, you know, we're reading the first book again, I think about Dr. Kynes noticing that Duke Leto Atreides and Paul have worn bodkins, their, their sheaths on their wrists are worn and used because they opt into adversity and they choose to challenge themselves and be capable fighters despite the fact that they are nobility. So even from the offset, we've got this really strong reinforcement of that theme totally yeah
0: yeah and look if you think we're making this up here is a direct quote from the first book from our boy paul modib oh love him here he is to dunk on all y'all <laughs> a quote from the collected sayings of paul modib in the first book quote there should be a science of discontent people need hard times and oppression to develop psychic muscles end quote Yeah. There it is. He's saying it outright. Adversity, oppression, tough times make for tough people, mentally, physically, emotionally. And trust me, humanity, tough times are <laughs> coming.
1: Lato too knocking on your door. <laughs> Leto too taking that exactly to heart. He's like explicit oppression, and Paul's like, no, no, no. I'm, uh, I kind of meant figurative. And Leto's like, thirty five hundred years. Got it. Paul's like, I <laughs> got it. Birthed a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs>
0: So that, that again, sort of all ladders back up to this idea of stagnation, that humanity will continue to weaken and will thus be unable to overcome whatever this extinction event, this ultimate threat is that is inevitably coming in all of these futures that Paul and Leto see.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Now, on the other side of that, there is also another reason for humanity's stagnation. And this is much more political. I mean, politics plays a huge role in Frank's novels. He has a lot to say (laughs) about politics. And I mean, Leto spends like half of fucking God Emperor of Dune just like philosophizing on politics.
1: And then it's like a half of Chapter House is just people debating types of politics. Yeah. People flinch at the word. It's fantastic.
0: Right, right. So the argument could be made that another reason for this weakening of humanity is in part a result of this political system that they're stuck in, this rigid class system of the imperium. Because think about it, despite creating this galactic civilization, thousands of planets, trillions of humans, humanity has still, at the end of the day, set up what is basically a galactic feudal system <laughs> where yeah. all of the power <laughs> yeah. is centralized and ladders up to either one person or a group that can control and influence trillions of lives. I mean, Padishah Emperor, right. the Spacing Guild, the Bene Gesserit, later on, Leto II. All of these people have so much power that they influence trillions of
1: lives. Can I also point out here that the number of successive emperors who ascended to the throne via literal assassination. <laughs> yes. It's like every human in the galaxy is under the rule and the protection of just whoever is the biggest assassin. <laughs> it's just the right. biggest psychotic murderer. Yeah, it was Elrude Nine until his fucking son poisoned him to death over years. And then Shaddam Fourth is like, I've got this. And then Paul fucking killed Khan leaves him to death, you know, exiles him to Seleucus Secundus, kind a of shitty planet he came from. It's just wild. Yeah. That's a bad system. Right. They're not even electing people. It's just who killed who the best. For tens of thousands of years. <laughs> For 10,000 years. Everyone's just been like doing this. Yeah. Let me kill my son with a fucking hunter suit. Great. <laughs>
0: exactly. And Frank is basically calling this out. Yeah. and like sort of stepping out of the lore to talk about frank's intentions and some of the themes of the book he's basically saying that this type of political system is corrupt yeah and broken and will eventually doom humanity unless that humanity follows this golden path continues to explore and expand and evolve and unless that Political system is reshaped in a way where power is less centralized and governments are questioned and held accountable by their people. Oh,
1: my God. Sounds great.
0: I mean, this is like some pretty, like, Occupy Wall Street shit coming from Frank. Oh, is it the 60s? (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Let me check. Yep. 60s, 70s. Cool.
0: Right. Yeah. Totally on brand for that decade, for sure. Hell yeah, dude. I mean, at the end of the day, humanity is headed towards this destruction because they've become complacent. And comfortable and just okay with the status quo, even though the status quo has major, major issues. Right. And that will lead them to a slow death. And it's a slow death yeah. that Frank very clearly states charismatic leaders will not be able to save us from. Yes, We cannot rely on leaders like that to save us, despite how many promises they make to the contrary. And in fact, Frank says they are partly to blame for this ultimate slow stagnation and death of humanity they are part of the problem not a solution to it
1: yeah man he is literally as much as he wrote a book called messiah he is literally (laughs) anti-messiah he's like yeah it that is not you don't fix this complex problem with a single charming dude and it is cynical but also pragmatic in a way that i very much appreciate yes because although some of especially chapter house and heretics hasn't aged very well yeah. <laughs> in the, yeah. you know, 40 years since the books came right. out.
0: It gets uncomfortably horny. Oh
1: God, it really does. And there are, <laughs> I don't know, ideas of gender that definitely have, have come away Absolutely. Uh, since, since the 80s. But still, some of these ideas are almost like common sense, but it's so well articulated and so well demonstrated by the events of Dune, Messiah, God Emperor, etc cetera, etc cetera. skip children but uh, children <laughs> I swear I can name them all <laughs> I don't I don't sound defensive you do name all the books backwards chronologically go starting with Brian Herbert <laughs> <Just> to... <laughs> no I can't I can name two of his books anyway well to wrap up the sort
0: of political critique in Frank's books and, and how it ties into the golden path coming back to leto there's this great quote that I think sort of summarizes the points we are trying to make here about the political stagnation of humanity from Leto II's Stolen Journals. And I believe this quote is from God Emperor of Dune. Quote, This is why I teach about tyranny in the best possible way. By example, even though you read these words after a passage of eons, my tyranny will not be forgotten. My golden path assures this. Knowing my message, I expect you to be exceedingly careful about the powers you delegate to any government. End quote.
1: Also so fucking funny that that is part of his stolen journals and he's just talking to the person he knew would steal them. Yeah, yeah. Yo, what up? Now that I got your attention. Right. I've got some messages for you.
0: Hi, Meredith. <laughs> you should you should ask that cute boy out at the, <laughs>
1: at the diner. Nice shirt as you're reading this. Hell yeah. <laughs> great look anyway yeah beware tyrants yeah anyway be careful about how much
0: power you give to governments but cute shirt blue's definitely your color meredith damn so good knowing leto too he would troll people in the future like that
1: so hard so that quote from leto's stolen journals hilariously stolen (laughs) as he writes exactly to the reader paul and leto too want to avoid the stagnation and that sort of status quo and that sort of comfort and that being okay with tyrants because they know that there is an extinction event coming. They know there is this great barrier that humanity has to pass through. And what is that barrier? Uh, mm-hmm. I, well, um, Frank never said. So <laughs> it could be a few different things. But r- reminder, if Paul and or Leto 2 were to use their prescience too aggressively to kind of figure out what that threat is, kind of what is coming for us, what is it going to do, how do we prepare for it, they could, and it seems from Paul's lessons and it seems from Leto's hesitance, they would lock humanity on the path to that threat, which includes the not getting ready for it. (laughs) You say there's going to be a velociraptor that knows how to open doors and we're going to be in the kitchen and it's going to find us and in that moment you have decided that you're not going to sneak around the corner right as it looks or whatever happens in that scene in Jurassic Park I'm kind of losing it, but it's okay the point is keep it vague bro right if you look too closely if you set that stuff in stone. It's set in stone, and like Paul, walking into that house where there was a stone burner yeah. that can punch to the core of a fucking planet, Right. he's like, guess I gotta do it, because <laughs> he looked too closely. Right. Whoops. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Wish there was a user manual.
0: And there's also another reason, frankly, for us not having a concrete answer as to what this threat exactly is, and that's simply because Frank died. Yeah. Before he was able to write the seventh book, he never got around to writing the book after Chapter House. Right. And presumably, we would have learned more about The Golden Path and this ultimate threat to humanity, but he never wrote it. Now, we do want to sort of acknowledge that obviously his son, Brian Herbert and Kevin (laughs) J. Anderson, did continue to write more Dune novels.
1: Yes, they technically did.
0: Yes, And they actually tried to finish Frank's original sort of golden path arc and saga in the books Hunters of Dune and Sandworms of Dune, which were apparently written using some of Frank's own notes about the seventh book he would have written had he lived. But for today, for simplicity's sake, we are going to ignore those two books and the events that take place in them just because of the messy Dune lore debates around Brian and Frank and the encyclopedia And how the lore sort of starts to contradict itself at certain points. So just to be completely transparent, yes, we know these two books exist. Yes, we know what happens in those two books. But for simplicity's sake, we have chosen to ignore them for today's discussion and will continue to do so. So for the sake of the argument here, we don't technically know what Frank's version of this big threat would be because he died before he could write it.
1: So let's talk about some of these theories on what these external threats might be. And I love these. This is fun. I love these. I like this yeah. part. So theory number one, artificial intelligence killing machines developed by X. Yikes. It's something they would do. Scary. Went from Keurigs to Terminators. You know? <laughs> yeah. Give yeah. them enough time.
0: That is the natural progression of technology, as we all know.
1: <laughs> yeah. From the documentary Skynet, we all saw it happen. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Exactly. And there's actually very, very strong hints toward this direction in Frank's novels. Sure. There's a great quote from God Emperor of Dune from the scene where Leto II goes out into the desert with Siona and she has visions. Right. Quote, she would carry with her forever afterward the clear sights and sounds and smells. The seeking machines would be there. The smell of blood and entrails, the cowering humans in their burrows, aware only that they could not escape, while all the time the mechanical movement approached nearer and nearer and nearer, louder, louder. End quote.
1: What a great little passage. Yeah. What a reminder that Frank's a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's visceral. You're there. You're kind of seeing what she's seeing. You're you're hearing and smelling what she's smelling. Yeah. Yeah, that's intense.
0: And it's one of the clearest hints that Frank ever really gives as to what this actual physical threat might be. And based off of Siona's visions here, one possible threat in the many that Paul and Leto saw in the future is these AI killing machines that are hunting for whatever reason, hunting humanity to extinction and a bit of a side note here but for any of the mass effect fans out there i've yeah. bought the legendary edition recently <laughs> i've been yeah. replaying the games i love them my favorite games of all time i know you're a big fan leo oh hell yeah this gives me major mass effect vibes right yeah hell like yeah. reapers the reapers are coming paul and leto are commander shepherd they saw these visions oh
1: for sure totally
0: And they realize that ancient killing machines are going to come and wipe out humanity and they have to prevent it in some way. So this theory gives me pretty major (laughs) Reaper, Mass Effect, Commander Shepard vibes, which I love.
1: I will say, in response to this theory, Frank's universe implies a certain, shall we say, taught relationship with artificial intelligence and thinking machines, right? Yeah. Yeah. We are post-thinking machine on the first page of Dune and humanity revolted. But Frank doesn't paint this as machines are evil killing machines. He paints it as humans became stagnant and relied on technology. You know, when Leto 2 thinks back on technology and when Leto II, who acts as this sort of omniscient character who is doing the right thing most of the time, when he's not fucking with Monet uh, <laughs> or k- killing Duncans, I guess, for fun, he is like hiring Ix to make machines for him right? He reflects that it's not that the machines are inherently good or bad. It's that they are a tool. And like many tools, they can trick humans into becoming complacent and becoming lazy. Yeah. Over-reliant. Over-reliant. Yes, exactly. So I don't see this because again, this is straight from Dune. This is straight from Frank's little thingies onto the paper to his publisher, to the, you know, Bookstores and to our little eyes, as we're Tleilaxu eyes are crying, <laughs> our Gola eyes are shedding tears. I see this as representative of one of the many threats. Yes, totally. I see this as not so much. This is the threat, capital T, capital T. Yeah. I see this as Siona is seeing one very visceral vision of something that could happen. Because if this were the threat, I feel as though, and this is just my opinion, I feel as though that goes back on some of the established, maybe moral neutrality of artificial intelligence that Frank seemed to believe, that I also agree with. Yeah. That, you know, the jihad was a bloody tragedy. Sentient creatures being killed, that gets harder to be sympathetic towards when Without the butlerian jihad, you have bloodthirsty robots <laughs> coming out of the dark right. depths of space. Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> like Terminator.
0: Yeah. The, the T-9000 is hunting your family. You're going to be like, the <laughs> fuck, dude? Like, yeah. <laughs> murder all the machines. They're trying to kill it. You know, my Keurig is trying to burn my coffee every morning <laughs> and then pointing a gun at my face. Like- <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like least favorite feature of Keurig. <laughs> and I, that's just a very black and white understanding of technology. And it's one that is utterly lacking from Dune up through the first six books. So I do think that this vision is more symbolic or more representative of one of but many threats. Right. Uh, And I just wanted to put that out there.
0: Totally, totally. I agree. And it's never confirmed that there is only just one threat. Right. Or that there is one moment where the threat happens and then we overcome it and we're fine. Like it could be a series of threats. It could be threats that play out over... Hundreds of years, thousands of years. I mean, the, the golden path, like we've established, is something that has to be nurtured and continually fixed, quote unquote. Right. And this could just be one of many things that humanity has to sort of veer away from. Yeah. Now, there are other theories. And you actually did a deep dive into theory number two.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let me throw some words at you that will sound like utter nonsense if you, for some reason, have kept listening after not reading any of these books. <laughs> Prescient, xenophobic, face-dancer, Quisatz Hatterax from the Toilex. Boom. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Sci-fi, baby! <laughs> so, basically, and I just want to, as a quick disclaimer, this is not a direct quote. This is not Siona in the desert seeing this vision. Yes. This definitely sits in the sort of theory category. Yeah. But I will say there's quite a bit of evidence, and we're going to talk about a third theory that I think overlaps enough with this theory that I... I consider it basically confirmed as one of the things that is referenced on the pages of Dune. Yeah. So we know that the Bene Tleilax tried to create a Kwisatz Haderach. They were like, "What? Uh, what's that? The Oh, the Bene Gesserit are trying to make a super being that can like see the future. And that sounds great. We want one. So they tried and they failed. <laughs> Probably for the best of everybody. Because the Bene Tleilax, if you didn't remember... Aren't super kind to Powindas. They don't <laughs> super love people who don't share their kind of Zen Sunni faith and belief and religion. Right. So if you imagine the Benny Tlalacs continuing their experimentations with the Golas and with reawakening original memories, but also modifying Golas, like hate comes back to Paul as a Gola of Duncan Idaho but trained as a mentat and as a Zensuni philosopher. Yeah. And when Duncan Idaho reawakens, he still got that fucking training. <laughs> Lest we forget. Lest we forget. So pair that with the face dancer being infertile, basically mental slaves to the Benny Tleilax masters. Imagine, and this is not a stretch, <laughs> face dancer, Quisat's Hatterax. Omniscient, Prescient beings who can change their appearance to be anybody. Yikes. Anywhere. They wouldn't need to spend time with a target. They could just look forward or back. <laughs> there would be nothing that could stop them. Right. From taking over the galaxy. And wouldn't the Benny Twaleks just fucking love that? Mm,
0: right in their wheelhouse. Yeah, we've already touched on how dangerous Precious is. How it can lock humanity into... A certain future and take away free will if used too aggressively. Well, guess who's not going to be afraid to use it super hella aggressively? Yeah, the Benny Tolelags. The,
1: everything they do is aggressive. <laughs> the Benny Tolelags sligs. They made sligs <laughs> and probably chair dogs. Probably, right? probably. That's our that's our head cannon, But yeah, you know, gross. It's uh, it's conf- uh, it's not confirmed, but I want it to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, there's a quote that we're going to share in a moment, and this really, in my mind, is part of what cements this as a real thing. (laughs) That's not just a fan theory, you know? Mm -hmm. He reflects at one moment that an end to humanity would have already happened Mm -hmm. if not for his actions, if not for Leto's peace. And when we think about who was impacted by Leto's peace, it is the people in the Imperium who are being kind of shut down and put on pause and put on hold and yep. made comfortable, that terrible word, comfortable. Leto's piece directly inhibited the Benny Tleilax specifically. And at the end of Children of Dune, before Leto's Peace has kind of kicked off, they are really the only ones at all close to breeding and resurrecting fully controllable Quisats haderachs on mass. So it's really not a stretch to see how, I don't know, Thirty five hundred years of prescient godworm chaperone yeah. could <laughs> maybe keep them in line. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they're like squirmish little guys. And Leto's like, I'm gonna send a million nine feet tall, strong ladies to just beat the shit out of you. Right. And thirty five hundred years passed peacefully, kind of
0: <laughs> right. And his subjugation didn't stop at just the Benny Telelax. I mean he Right, right banned technology throughout the galaxy, which I'm sure hurt the Ixians, right? And
1: travel, right?
0: And, and then he banned travel. Right. And that hurt the Spacing Guild. And then he hoarded the spice. And that desperately hurt the Benny Gesserit, yeah. who needed the spice for their rituals.
1: Kind of everyone, yeah. Kind of
0: everyone. Like, he's really <laughs> yeah. making sure that all of these powers that have thus far for tens of thousands of years had a hand in humanity's future are controlled and subjugated and- stripped of certain powers and directed in other ways that he, he sees fit along his golden path. So I, I agree with you. This is a very valid theory considering the actions that Leto took during his quote unquote piece. Right. And actually you me- you mentioned a quote that we're gonna bring up. Let's bring it up.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah.
0: Because these first two theories the first theory that there will be some sort of technological killing machines developed by X Right. And the second theory that the Benny will create prescient <laughs> xenophobic face dancer ads Hatterax. Yeah. <laughs> These theories have seemingly been nullified by the time of God Emperor of Dune right. because of Leto's 3,500 years of rule. Right. He tells Siona in that book, quote, without me, there would have been by now no people anywhere, none whatsoever. And the path to extinction was more hideous than your wildest imaginings, end quote.
1: Oh chills that's wild yeah
0: so again speaking of nurturing the golden path he's already saved humanity and we don't know how many times he's already done that but in that 3500 year time skip between the end of children of dune and the start of god emperor of dune he has already nullified and avoided some sort of extinctions that humanity would have charged headlong into without his guidance
1: right yeah
0: okay let's round out this episode with our third theory yes because there's one more here yeah after the events of god emperor of dune once leto II has perished and he is gone two more books still happen heretics and chapter house <laughs> yes and our heroes and heretics and chapter house primarily the benny Jesuit, through which we experience most of those two novels they still face a threat yeah so theory number three is that another threat also exists that humanity still must overcome And that is, again, vague, but some sort of face dancers or prescient aliens of some sort that are actually the reason that the honored matres are fleeing.
1: Right. From the scattering. From the scattering.
0: Correct. The the humanity kind of exploded out across the galaxy after Leto's thousands of years of subjugation. Yeah. And these honored matres are suddenly coming back to the quote unquote old empire, the old imperium territories. And fleeing from the fringes of the galaxy from some unknown threat. And this unknown enemy that they're fleeing from, this foe that the honored matres are so terrified of, is something that they keep referring to as, quote, the ones of many faces.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because I remember having the impression of face dancers are a huge threat from the scattering. But we never really hear that it is face dancers from the scattering. It may have been mentioned once or twice, but we get this sort of cryptic new way of describing them. And we meet Daniel and Marty, who kind of muse about meeting the Tleilaxu masters going, can you imagine how they would fucking flip out? If they met some independent (laughs) face dancers, isn't that wild? Wouldn't they lose their minds? Right.
0: And a reminder that face dancers are sort of a lower class in Benny Tleilac society. Right. They are the warriors, the assassins, the worker class who serve the masters. So they are bred to be subservient to these masters. And the idea here is that this threat that the honored matres face are face dancers that are not subservient that have broken those chains and are using their powers of their own free will.
1: Well, and there's precedent for that. As we learn about face dancers, we find out that they can kind of get lost in the sauce. They can kind of become the person they think they are. You know, we see that in Heretics of Dune. And it's interesting that Frank sets that precedent because it means, yeah, there are face dancers out in the scattering. Well, given enough time who knows? Yeah, maybe they break free of their conditioning through being in a role too long. It's really, there's a lot there. But let's hone in. Let's talk about a couple of these specific quotes, because I do think these are great. And I had forgotten these, honestly, personally.
0: Right. So here's the part where we back up our wild fucking theories. (laughs) Right. Right.
1: We're not just making this up. (laughs) I promise. So very early on, and again, in the Kind of ebook that I that I was looking at earlier. It's like page 70. It's pretty early on. We get two honored matres are hanging out, Logno and uh Dama. And Logno thinks to herself, and the ones of many faces curse them through eternity had caused the disaster, them and their futars, <laughs> the ease with which all but that handful of THE WEAPON, capitalized, had been <laughs> confiscated. Awesome powers. We must arm ourselves well before we return to that battle. Mm-hmm.
0: So something clearly happened between the Ones of Many Faces, quote unquote, and the Honored Matres.
1: <laughs> no kidding.
0: They kicked some Honored Matre
1: ass. Also ties Futars directly to the Ones of Many Faces. The Ones of Many Faces made the futars, yes so like fursuit humans <laughs> the uh cat humans cats the movie but in dune <laughs> dune cats cats in dune
0: <laughs> oh god now now all i can imagine oh my god isn't that that's what they are all i can imagine now is jason derulo in okay. dune
1: <laughs> 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 oh my god it's a futar jason derulo <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Dama's like, good. I'm a futa. <laughs> God, I love that so much. It really, that does paint a very specific picture of those honored Madre moments.
0: Yes. Sorry, listener. That is now forever stuck in your mind. Every time you revisit Heretics oh. and Chapter House, you will see Jason motherfucking Derulo in a furry outfit.
1: In the cage. Like food. 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 Right. <laughs> God. Oh, as a side note, just as a side note, you know, these cat men, these Jason Derulos, <laughs> these, <laughs> these furry, furry boys, that they are the product or a product of the ones of many faces, in my opinion, 1000% confirms that the ones of many faces are clearly Benny Tleilax face dancers, because wouldn't it be the Benny Tleilax to be like, you know, what's great cats love them cats plus people cats plus people let's get it done (laughs) let's see (laughs) if it
0: sticks throw it at the wall we should we should make like a musical out of this guys
1: everyone sings a song about who they are it's going to be great it's going to (laughs) look so not terrifying we'll have taylor swift yeah we'll have that one guy and we'll have jason derulo (laughs) it'll be wonderful it's going to be great we are the benny (laughs) tallelux
0: yeah you're totally right this tracks this tracks 1000 percent as something that benny tlalax or benny tlalax adjacent people would do (laughs) right it's weird it's batshit crazy it's biological tampering yeah and it's terrifying i mean these futars are nothing to be fucked with yeah clearly as the honored matres have learned all right leo yeah as we always do let's wrap up our episode with a question Sometimes we are silly with these questions, but today I want it to be a little more serious. Sure. I'm sure it'll end up silly anyway, knowing us. <laughs>
1: we can't help
0: it. So today's wrap-up question sure. is, what are your thoughts on Frank's views of human stagnation and decline? That's been a core part of the, today's discussion. Yeah. Do you think current humanity is already headed toward that direction?
1: Man. Heavy, heavy question. We are we are particularly set up to talk about this a little bit because we are both Americans. (laughs) And (laughs) this conversation of the way things were and the way things have been and the way that things should be, which seems obvious to many of us, but somehow it's, it's taking some convincing that, you know, people should be treated equally and that, I don't know, human rights are human rights. Strange thought that. yeah, But there is a lot of emphasis right now in upending social norms and status quos. And broadly, I 1000% agree that the worst things that humanity has ever done to itself has been in the name of tradition and in the name of, well, that's the way it's been, you know?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Alliances Every single alliance in the history of mankind is a breaking of tradition. Every friendship that's ever sprung out of nowhere is a breaking of solitude and tradition and status quo. And personally, I look at my life and I look at moments of change and challenge. And although it's seldom fun <laughs> to be broken down <laughs> and to be really heavily impacted by something, I have never had as much just explosive growth as a human and as a compassionate person than in times of, of tribulation and trial. And can I apply that confidently to the next 30,000 years of human evolution? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, certainly I've thought about human evolution and how now that we lack the beautiful simplicity of like, a predator that is hunting us and thus we have to get smarter and use better tools, et cetera, et cetera. Now our predator is a little bit more existential. You know, are we going to ruin the planet before we get off of it? Or are we going to accidentally create a singularity in some (laughs) well-intentioned German lab and, plummet the planet into a black hole yeah i don't know it's certainly possible
0: looking at you hydron collider (laughs)
1: looking at you higgs boson particles (laughs) if i can even call you that that's such a specific (laughs) joke anyway i mean they're out there apparently i don't know i've never seen a higgs boson so you know color me skeptical (laughs) but i do think that there is a balance you know a lot of chapter house and a lot of heretics you know, we talked about this recently. Yep. A lot of the brilliance of Chapter House as you're watching, Odrade. think about how much do we embrace chaos? And can we die by adhering to the rules too much? And maybe a little bit of chaos, maybe the honored matres chaos is necessary for humanity to move forward. And I think you need to have, I do agree, our humanity is moving forward. We need to have those people who push the limits, but we need to do it within reason because otherwise without structure and self-awareness and self-reflection, it can be utterly destructive. So thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That was (laughs) was beautiful. If my timer is right, I've been talking for about 65 minutes straight. (laughs) I want to hear what you have to say about this because you wrote one sentence and I can't imagine that this is all you have to say about it. (laughs) Abu, what are your thoughts about Frank's views on human stagnation and decline? Is humanity headed in that direction. What do you think?
0: Well, for the record, since you totally called me out on it, (laughs) this is the sentence I wrote. All I wrote was, yes, and the internet is not helping.
1: I didn't write anything. So you're you're still 100% (laughs) better off than me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, not having written anything, I think what you said was beautifully stated. Thank you. And I I agree on so many fronts. I mean, I fully agree that so much pain in human history comes from adhering. Too strongly to tradition yeah. That's not a condemnation of tradition. right right. Many traditions are beautiful and serve a purpose and are a positive force in people's lives.
1: Totally yes.
0: But sticking to them too strongly, sticking to them to the point of harming another group right Harming yourself yeah Sticking to tradition and the status quo so desperately that you refuse to accept or acknowledge that change is necessary that change is required, that growth is necessary, all of those things are scary. Change, growth, introspection, none of those things are fun to do, but as Leto would argue, as Paul would argue, they are desperately needed (laughs) for our continued survival. So I agree with these sort of themes and ideas that Frank puts forth through his golden path and all throughout his novels. This idea of political stagnation, charismatic leaders being dangerous, that is clear and obvious. Yeah, totally. Social stagnation, the idea of clinging to the past rather than looking to the future, the idea of not challenging our thoughts and beliefs, not challenging the people who lead us, not questioning and holding to account the people in power. Those are all dangerous things that humanity can fall prey to. Right. Those are all areas of comfort that we can become complacent in. Now, do I think humanity's already headed down this sort of dangerous path? Yes, And no, I mean, obviously my one sentence tweet (laughs) was not a nuanced answer. The internet is of course not helping. It's amplifying some of the worst of humanity, right? But at the same time, it is also shining light on new ideas. It's exposing people to new things that they never would have seen.
1: Globalization of ideas. Yeah.
0: Globalization. Exactly. It's making the world a smaller place. And, you know, tearing down certain borders, whether they're physical or metaphorical. So it's a mixed bag. Do I think we have some of the same challenges to face that the humanity in Frank's novels faces? Absolutely. Political stagnation, social stagnation, our aversion to change, our aversion to new ideas, that is all still very much a problem with humanity and something we must overcome. Right. Do I think we are hurtling towards Some doomsday event. Yeah. Also, like, yes, right. Climate (laughs) crisis is a scary thing that even in our lifetimes, you and I, Leo, might see the catastrophic results of. Yeah. Yes, we are hurtling towards some dangerous things, but at my core, I'm an optimist. Same. And at my core, I believe that regardless of the worst of humanity, the best of humanity will always shine through. At the end of the day, we will come together and overcome any challenge as long as we keep Leto to our dear wormy boy god's <laughs> teachings in mind some of his teachings some are problematic
1: <laughs> <laughs> i say we elect someone to just be in a giant prosthetic worm suit mm, okay i'm i hear you uh-huh and on one day a year we all gather in a pavilion uh, it doesn't have to be the same again, mm. the internet's great. We'll 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 live stream it. It'll be on twitch.tv forward slash the god emperor Duke Leto Atreides. <laughs> and then we'll all eat sour gummy worms. Done. Done and done. <laughs> done. It's uh it's great. You know? It's good to have an image. It's ha- it's good to have an image to think about. And maybe that image is a tiny child's face. <laughs> on a three thousand pound worm. <laughs> wriggling on top of Moneo Atreides because he thinks it's fucking hilarious and he's kind of bored.
0: Poor Moneo.
1: Duncan's like, this is fucking hilarious. This is great.
0: Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Mwadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, he who controls the podcast controls the universe. And now that you understand everything about it, we'll see you on the golden path. On the golden path.
1: <laughs> it's worms. All of it's worms. Wriggling. <laughs> Wriggling. Wriggling worms and giant strong
0: ladies. And Jason Derillo in a cat outfit. <laughs> the golden path is just worms and Jason Derillo in a cat outfit. Jason Derillo. Jason Derillo in a cat outfit consuming sour gummy worms is the golden <laughs> path. The salvation of humanity.
1: It's the, take, it's the biggest takeaway. It's what people are going to remember. <laughs> Pop quiz. What is it? Jason rulo, And then the sound of eating gummy worms.
0: <laughs> yep. Oh, boy. Okay. Look at that.